from the heart of the Forest City, focusing on the biggest stories in London, this is the Craig Needles Podcast. Now here's your host, Craig Needles. It's the Craig Needles Podcast here at ClassicRock981.com, LondonNewsToday.ca. Find us wherever you get your podcast to on your favorite app. The Craig Needles Podcast is brought to you by Clearview Autoglass. And we're reacting to some breaking news uh, from yesterday on the Tuesday edition of the podcast. And that is surrounding the proposed homeless hub that CMHA Thames Valley was going to put together on Fanshawe Park Road. That's no longer going to be what happens here. And that is, I, I think, disappointing news for a lot of people to hear that we're very passionate about the plan. So what has happened here? What's changed since late September when council approved this? Uh, we have Pam Hill uh, on the podcast to uh, talk about that with us. So once again, and Pam's been on the podcast before. Uh, Pam, of course, is with uh, CMHA uh, Thames Valley and joins us uh, on the line right now. Uh, Pam, thank you very much for, for doing this with us today. We appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome, Craig. So you and I talked, uh, I want to say it was early October, about the hubs, how they're going to work, what the impact's going to be. October 11th, in fact, I'm looking at my calendar right now. Uh, So something's obviously changed since then, because as as far as I knew on October 11th, we were going full steam ahead here. So what's changed since you and I talked uh, roughly a month ago here? Yeah, when I look at the calendar dates, Craig, that uh, was like, uh, October 5th was the night uh, late that night when the approval was made, um, that of the three hubs that are progressing and the other two are moving along really well. Um, so we've had, by last Friday when we made the decision to withdraw our uh, proposal for the for the moment anyway, um, we'd had 20 working days to begin to explore what the true work of implementation would mean for getting this hub up and running. We knew that there was a, a rezoning uh, potential that need, that needed, wasn't just a potential, it was a fact that property needed to be rezoned. Uh, although, you know, we have, uh, we had a lot of confidence that that was not going to be a big complicating factor. Um, up until that time, we had not, um, had any particular engagement with the individuals who were living at the motel. We had uh, had some of our um, early investigations with the uh, landlord had uh, started to talk about what could happen there. Um, We certainly understood there were some people there who were long-term residents. And we know that motels are allowed to have a a certain portion of their housing that is long-term. and we also know that during COVID, many motels were given a kind of exemption status to extend that uh, because of housing crises. And every municipality uh, used motels as a way to shelter people and to offer isolation spaces, etc. So in the conversations with the uh, landlord who was eager to, um, to be helpful and to be part of the solution, we thought that we would be able to work together to um, find out what the needs of the people were and potentially help them seek other um, other accommodations that would be suitable. So up until the time that we actually had a proposal in hand, it wasn't really, it wasn't our place. City Hall was never going to be the ones that evicted people. Uh, this was, the proposals were put out to the community so that agencies who would provide these services would create the relationships with the landowners and the uh, facility providers. So City Hall was never going to evict them. And um, 
we thought that there would be a process that would happen where you know we would be able to share information about possibilities etc but what what happened in the meantime was there was a lot of uh immediately following the announcement there was a lot of um well, I, I don't know. There was a lot of conversation in the community from a whole variety of perspectives. There was cheering because it was a great idea. And mm -hmm. there were people who yeah. just didn't want this happening in their neighborhood and, and everything in between. So in the meantime, um, we did begin to listen to those voices, uh, all of them, and, and then try to start to determine what was the uh, magnitude of, of need there, um, what... Uh, Who's there that actually does have other alternatives and given proper notice would be free to, um, you know, free and able to move somewhere else. And we fully well know, like we wouldn't be in this whole of community response to homelessness if we weren't aware that finding affordable housing is incredibly difficult for people you know what, for all people, but particularly for people on either fixed incomes or low incomes. So, um, what changed was, uh, in some ways, the there was a movement to just the folks who were there, at least a few spokespeople said uh, and said publicly they didn't want to move and they didn't want to think about moving. So that was a voice that we hadn't heard before and that we'd had no real right to ask anything until we had a legitimate proposal in hand and were able to move forward. So at that point, we needed to respect all voices. We, you know, we are participating in a plan that when city council approved this in January, the title is saving lives, alleviating suffering and building a healthy, strong and safe community for all. So we began to feel that unless there was real cooperation from all parties, we would not be able to um, assure that some people would not become displaced uh, if we proceeded with this. And, and part of it was a timing thing because uh, we simply, it, I don't think the bylaw change or the, uh, sorry, the zoning change would hold us up, but I think the, um, any kind of a, question around whether or not the folks there had rights under uh, as as long-term tenants mm -hmm. had not had not really been on our radar and that I, sort of legal I, battle can take years i understand that it, yeah and i no. think there was intent for it to take years so in in responsibility to the process we needed to not have that fun tied up we wanted to be able to deliver on what we had hoped to provide and we just knew that that could not happen in a way that would actually benefit the people we were originally intending to serve and was de deeply distressing the people who uh, were fearful that their lives were going to change in some way so it seemed prudent to withdraw from that and to make sure that that fund is is uh back in the coffers so that if there's another partner who is more ready and able to move forward, they can, or if we're able to uh, pull it together uh, in another way, then then we will resubmit that proposal when the opportunity rises to do that. But uh, yeah, we just learned more. I don't, I do not feel like the, uh, the landlord was deceptive to us in particular. I think his intent was to try to work with us, but um, what we what was left out was the voice of the uh, people who were living there 
and media has done an extraordinary job of uh, reaching out to them and find out how they felt. Uh, Councillor Rahman has done that as well, and she had conversations with us. We participated in her uh, ward meeting uh, on October 27th. We heard voices, again, completely across the spectrum of support to, um, you know, just rejection of all of the, the overall concept of this, let alone the specific site. So right. that's kind of where that's kind of where we're at today. Uh, so I've, I have a few questions there. You mentioned you mentioned the landlord here. This is this is where I think the disconnect I think comes in for a lot of folks in the public is when yeah. this was talked about in September and October at uh, at committee meetings and at council meetings. The question about hey, are there people who are long term tenants of this hotel and, and what's going to happen with them? The way that city staff reacted to that was they kind of said, oh, I, I, th- th- this is going to be fine. We're going to figure something out for that. Yeah, and then yep. that's not the way that it, it, it happened. So where was the communication breakdown? There is what I wonder. Well, I can tell you that we were on, we were texting with city people who were saying, are you sure, are you sure about this? And we said, we're as sure as we can be at this stage, right? Um, and, and, and you know, uh, people's, it's been really hard to ascertain the exact numbers of people and, and the amount of time that they've been there. And that's because there's so many different uh, voices telling us this. And um, so we were working with the best information that we had at the time. We were transparent with the city about that. And um, they've been supportive of this process all along the way. Okay. And I'm glad they've been supportive of this process all along the way. We'll talk about the process in just a second. But to clarify, you just you said you, you did not feel misled by the landlord here because I've seen speculation about that. And, and, I've, and, I've, and I've had people wondering about that to me uh, online and elsewhere is, hey, wait, did CMHA kind of uh, get led astray here by something that the, the person who owns the, ho- uh, the, the motel had said, but that's not, you don't, you don't think that's what occurred here you, from, from your perspective, that's not what's going on? I don't think that was his intent at all. Um, okay, even, um, but it may have and, been a lost in communications thing, even if it wasn't intentional. It that that's possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we 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 knew that if we stepped up to do this, uh, the first round of hubs, there were things were happening very quickly, and um, and and I'm not going to apologize about that because we know that this is a problem that has been. Year years, maybe decades yep. in the making, and and time is lives here. So I, I understand moving fast. Yep. 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 Uh, let's talk then about what the future might be, because uh, look, there, there, there may not be another RFP that goes out from the city, but people can submit proposals to the city uh, any time for, for anything. So is it possible that CMHA Thames Valley finds a different spot that, that makes more sense that could be part of a new proposal here? In a short answer, yes, absolutely. Like it's where immediately... I've been very, very busy actually receiving uh, calls from uh, people who have property, um, from people who have suggestions about where we should look at property. Um, as you can imagine, this is this is very high profile and a lot of people have a lot of opinions and suggestions. And so we're sifting through all of that because we're completely committed to this work. Um, this, I've been in this work a long time and this is an unprecedented collaborative process like if we're gonna we should be able to achieve successes here even if we've had some you know we've hit some speed bumps that we didn't see on the road and um so we're gonna move ahead as quickly as we can but i I, we're gonna try to learn 
whatever we can from this particular experience and assure that, uh, you know, there isn't even one duck that isn't in a row as we move forward. That does slow things down. That clearly slows things down. Yeah, uh, clearly there's uh, there there is obviously going to be things that you have to get through with a with a plan of of this magnitude. Uh, the my yeah. sister's place beds that you and I spent quite a bit of time talking about the last time we chatted. Uh, that was yeah. part of the same RFP, so that's out now. Uh, is there anything we could do to hypothetically get those beds online for this winter? Is that possible? Because that was the the key thing for the the winter situation. Is it's going to get cold? Having those yeah. beds would have been incredible. Uh, is, is that dream dead or maybe still alive? don't think the dream is dead. I think that um, we're now hitting some really, really hard timelines around as soon as we had to withdraw this proposal, it has impacts on when we can hire new staff. You know, the this whole, it's, when I talk to people in the community, they often think that money is going to solve the problem, but money is a catalyst to solve the problem. There's just so many other pieces that have to come together and staffing is one of them. And the, the challenge that all of the community partners will talk about with the money that, that could fund that, which is the cold weather response money, is that it's short-term money. And therefore, you, you don't have a power to hire people. People don't want short-term jobs. It's not a good use of, um, of, of the resources to train people for very short periods of time and then have to let them go when that funding ends. So I'm not saying that we won't um, make a consideration. It's just that this has been, that's been one of the reasons that the whole of the hub plan really needed to move forward is so that we avoid that so that there's a response all year round. And in fact, I know that we'll translate that into an inclement weather response because, um, you know, when the river floods in the springtime, people are also displaced and at risk. It's not just the cold weather. It, with climate change, we've got the extremes of heat as well. So we d we're not loving that notion, but we're also part of the solution and we'll do whatever we can. And if it means, as of today, I don't know exactly what it means. We know that the space, the physical space is still available at my sister's place. What is not in place is uh, funding and a workforce yet. Yeah, so I guess we're going to have to figure those things out. And uh, sadly, we're running up against the clock here because we're talking about this for a winter response and we're sitting here and it's November yeah. 7th, right? Absolutely, yeah. So uh, quickly before we go, Pam, what are the next steps on this? <clears throat> so the next steps are, you know, managing all of the uh, responses that the community has is one of them because we, um, I really believe that everybody came to this with good intention and we need to help the community know that. And there's been a lot of, misinformation some intentional some not we've got education to do about what this plan is so that we don't have to run into um, really negative protests all the time it makes it hard to do the work but there's that there's a the exploring of what the options are there's kind of two parts to it one is what can we do with my sister's place and uh, what can we do to make sure that there's at least 10 more women who aren't sleeping on the streets or down by the river uh, during the cold weather. And then the uh, next part is to uh, regroup and uh, start looking at properties and possibilities. 
we have the properties do have to align with the um, locational criteria that's part of the plan. So as much as I appreciate lots of people coming forward and saying, hey, I've, I've got this big property that you can have, there, there are criteria. Um, and, and we will get back to all the individuals that have connected with us about that, but that's going to take some time as well. So, you know, we're, we're in this, we're going to do uh, what we can, and, and we're not in this alone. You know, we're still working with the other lead agencies that have hubs. We're still working with the whole of community response. And um, this is the biggest community effort. I've, I've been involved in many collaborative processes, and this is the biggest one uh, of my entire career. So I'm excited to see what we can do when we, you know, when it's not just a great vision, but like this is where the rubber's hitting the road and how are we going to rise to that challenge? And I believe we will. Pam, very quickly before we go, because I've taken up uh, enough of your time, but I do have to ask the conversation surrounding the, the, the controversial quote unquote aspect of this hub, when you have yep. the, the people that were kind of demonizing the women who were going to live there, that was part of the conversation talking about drugs and safety and things along those lines that didn't change what was going on at the Northwest London hub at all. This was about the people who were living there or did some of that community conversation shape what CHMA did here? You know what? It's really, it wasn't the, the uh, faction that you're talking about was not our deciding factor, but it's really hard to determine, you know, who impacted who on that. Our decision was made entirely upon the risk of leaving some people um, without the housing that they needed. Um, you know, I, I, I did speak to one resident uh, there who actually has been quite public about her story. Her story is very compelling and um, at this time um, was not interested in exploring what any other options are. So therefore, she and the other tenants need to follow their course of action to see um, what that means. That doesn't mean that if they decide they want to reach out to us or to the city, the city has a phone line 519-661-HOME for anybody who is at risk of losing their housing, who is unhoused. It's a coordinated access line. They'll help people um, understand what their options are and, uh, and help them navigate through the system that we're trying to build and that already exists. So we just need to step back from that and not fuel the controversy and not put any more stress on those people's lives. Um, I feel badly that they are so under the microscope for this, but I also feel like good for them for, um, for, for standing up for themselves and speaking. And, and I don't know if they would have, I don't know if they would have done that if they didn't also feel a little, um, they caught some of the energy of, of what the community was saying mm -hmm. on both sides, you know, on both sides, they're empath they're very empathetic to people whose housing is at risk. And, but they're also, they don't want that uh, hub in their neighborhood either because it might displace them. So it's, this is really complex and um, we just, we've got to hear all the voices and do no harm. Yeah, I think do no harm is the is the way to look at it. Uh, Pam, thank you so much for for this and, and and for this conversation. If there's anything else that you want to add, happy to hear it. But otherwise, we'll uh, we'll leave it there. Well, I think I the only other thing that I want to add is I hope um, citizens will go to the Health and Homelessness Movement for Change website to learn about it, to sign up for it, and if you're a person who <clears throat> wants to help in some way. Um, 
there's matching dollars there. There's a, an opportunity to make your money go further. If you don't need any more trinkets for your holiday giving, um, an excellent way to uh, honor uh, some social justice is to uh, make donations to that movement and uh, match them up with the anonymous donors uh, offer for that. It's the money will be well used. This is us being responsible and saying we don't want dollars tied up that are going to be wasteful. We'll come back when we can make better use of taxpayer money and donor dollars. Uh, Pam, thank you so much for this. And thank you so much for uh, giving us the time and, and keep us updated on what might come next. Okay. Thanks, Craig. You take care. That's Pam Hill with Canadian Mental Health Association, Thames Valley, joining us to explain what happened with that hub. And you're, you heard the explanation. I, I think there's still going to be some questions after that explanation. Like just, I, I don't know where the breakdown would have happened. So if this was truly city officials and CMHA being callous and not being smart enough about who lives there, that's a problem. Should city officials have gotten involved in trying to find a new place to live for those folks who are at that hotel or motel or whatever it is? Yeah, maybe. I think there's a conversation to be had there. I think that's a worthwhile question. Because I'm going to be very honest with you right now on this podcast. What happened with this hub, this being the controversial hub and this being the one that goes off the rails, puts the entire project in a negative light. Now, the people over at YOU and the people over at Adelosa, they're doing everything right. They're fantastic partners for the city. They do great work. No questions about that. None at all. However, this was the one that people got mad about and this is the one that's gone away and needs to be replaced. There is a possibility that we are better off overall, that we might get a better hub that opens up sooner than the one that came forward here. That's possible. But I'm going to offer this piece of advice to London City Councillors, and I know they listen to this podcast. I'm going to offer this piece of advice. The next hub, the one that replaces this, be it CMHA who's running it or somebody else, you can't put it downtown and you can't put it in OEV. Why? Because every time going forward, you try to put a hub somewhere, the neighbors are going to have a meltdown because they're going to think that if we have a meltdown about this, we're going to get our way. If we throw the same hissy fit that the people in Northwest London did, then we're going to be able to shoo those homeless people out of our community. That's, those are the stakes here. I'm not being negative. I'm being realistic. That is what is on the line with this. The thing that I hate most about this, and I, I hate that we have to go back to the drawing board and the plan. I hate that we may not be able to get those beds at my sister's place for this winter. I hate a lot of things about this. But the thing I hate the most is that those NIMBY people in Northwest London, who, let's be honest here, don't give a shit for the most part about the people who are living at that motel. They don't care. They just didn't want a hub in their neighborhood. The people living at that hotel were a convenient excuse to get the hub out of the neighborhood. That's all it was. And I'm going to be straight up with you. I think that's the case, on a limited extent, for Corinne Raman too. 
I don't think she was super worried about the people who were living at that motel. She just didn't want that hub in her ward. Because we heard all the arguments at council. She was throwing anything at the wall to see what would stick. So this just is a happy-go-lucky coincidence that she found a way, fate found a way at the very least, to get this thing out of there. And I really and truly am disappointed that this goes into the books as a win for the people that threw that hissy fit in Northwest London. I think that is the worst outcome here. Because I am hopeful, I am truly hopeful that something better might come out of this for the long term. But for now, the entire Hubs project has taken on some damage. The entire thing. And the city of London and the people who are champions of this project are kind of left holding the bag here. There's been, a, there's been damage to the credibility of this entire ordeal. And I think that's sad. And if anything in relation to this was because of those NIMBY people throwing a hissy fit, that's an embarrassment. That shouldn't have been in anyone's line of thought. Shouldn't have been in Pam's line of thought, to be honest. If she's going to say, hey, look, we didn't want to make people homeless. We thought that we had to go back to the drawing board here. That makes all the sense in the world. But no one should care what someone who's freaking out about, it's going to be crime and it's going to be drugs and it's going to be dangerous and we pay too much in taxes to have homeless people in our neighborhood. No one should care what those people have to say. In fact, to quote the great Don Rickles, those people should go get a horse, live in the mountains and stop bothering people. That's what they should do. But for now, we're stuck in this situation and it's frustrating, but hopefully something better comes from this we'll wrap up this edition of the podcast here you can find the craig needles podcast at classicrock981.com and londonnewstoday.ca you can also find us on your favorite podcast app spotify google podcast amazon wherever you find us we're there plus the craig needles podcast is brought to you by our friends at Clearview Autoglass. With a bit of bad luck, your windshield took one for the team and you've got to get it replaced. The good luck is, you've got Clearview Autoglass. Certified in OptiAIM Lane Departure Camera Calibration Service, Clearview Autoglass will replace your windshield quickly and safely to ensure the integrity of your vehicle. And they will submit your claim directly to your insurance company for you, plus they'll give you a $25 gift card. Don't just drive, enjoy the view with Clearview Autoglass. 540 Clark Road and Clearview Autoglass London. The Craig Needles Podcast is a presentation of the Blackburn Media Podcast Network.